Hello and welcome back to In My Opinionation, your weekly Blossom Watch Through podcast. I am your host this week, Jen, and I am here with the beautiful Mallory. Oh, how sweet. Hi, Aww, Jen. Hi. <laughs> how you doing, girl? I'm good. I'm uh, getting ready to visit family that I haven't seen since before the pandemic. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm so excited for you. It's going to be so good. Yay. Well, I guess we'll just jump right into the yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. This week, we are looking at season two, episode six, To Tell the Truth. Mm-hmm. So this aired on October 21st, 1991. It was written by Glenn Merzer, who is a new name for us. Uh, yeah, I think so. They've been bringing on a whole lot of new people in the second season. Yeah. And it was directed by Zane Busby. Zane Busby. Yeah. So I didn't have any trivia or I sort of do, but it's I think it's better suited for doing the the in scene. I don't know if you have any trivia. The only thing I have is that it's the final appearance of girl Tony. This is the last time we see her. Oh, I like girl Tony. I liked her, too. But this is it. Damn, I hate that. She was a nice offset for other new people that they brought on that we're not fond of yeah and uh uh, more more women and um Mm -hmm. diverse women you know like it was it was nice yeah fuck that right right (laughs) (laughs) all right so with that being said if you don't have anything except for the sad departure of girl tony now i'm sad we're gonna do a breakdown breakdown i'm working on the energy today guys we're gonna ease it in yeah (laughs) so the episode opens we see the family minus joey at this point is sitting at the table they're all eating breakfast and nick compliments buzz because he has presumably made cinnamon rolls and nick says it's the first time he's ever brought food into the house ha 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 piggybacking off that joke he made last week about buzz never pays for anything so it turns out that Buzz didn't actually make these, but it was his his girlfriend. He says a girlfriend named Honey. A girlfriend. A girlfriend. Because mm-hmm. we are to believe that Buzz is a pimp or attractive to females somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick asked Blossom if she wants another cinnamon roll, but she is just sitting at the table off in her own reverie. Nick immediately knows what's going on asks for the boy's name. Yep. <laughs> Who the hell is she thinking about <laughs> this time? Yep. This time we get a new boy name. A new one. This boy's name is Steve Warner. So she describes how she met Steve. She was standing in the hallway with her friend Richie. And then this boy, Steve Warner, comes up and asks, uh, it's not specified, asks if they want to get a chili dog. And it turns out he was just asking Richie if he wants to get a chili dog. Yeah. But He does say nice shirt to Blossom. Yes, that's very important. So clearly it's forever love. Clearly. We've seen this so many times now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. She well, I mean, Nick even says later when she makes a comment about it being once in a lifetime love at first sight. He goes, oh, again, eh? (laughs) Yeah, right. That would be me if I were parenting this child at this point. My God. So, of course, Nick warns her. He's so blunt with her this time. Like he's been so nice before this time. He's just like, um, yeah, you might want to calm down because he hasn't said three words to you. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's just so over it. He's like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, he's so over it. Of course, Blossom has this little quip back where he's like, actually, he said, nice shirt, Blossom. Count him, dad. And like walks out. Yeah. <laughs> She's so convinced that this is going to happen for her. He has said exactly three words to me, old man. Exactly. <laughs> so my note for this whole sequence is just, girl, get your shit together. So at this point, Blossom is walking out, presumably getting ready for school. Joey walks in and he's doing this whole like pantomime that he's choking. It's all very dramatic. The rest of the men are just sitting there not paying attention to him until Buzz finally goes, Tony, you need to go take care of that. So Tony immediately gets up and performs a little Heimlich maneuver on him. Joey spits the food or whatever he has in his mouth. It's a ping pong ball. Was it a ping pong ball? It's a ping pong ball. Straight in Nick's head. Yeah. (laughs) 
So we find out that Tony is actually studying to be an EMT. Mm-hmm. He's decided what he wants to do with his life finally. And we're all so proud of him. I really am so proud of him. I know. It was such a cool moment. I love this. So like we find out he's been practicing on Joey all week, like two or three times a day. He's just like pretending to Heimlich shit out of his mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Joey just wanders in and is like, I'm choking. <laughs> You know, he's been doing a lot of studying. He's still nervous because oh, yeah. it's a big deal, right? Yeah. So he's doing what he can to be prepared. So at this point, uh, Blossom walks in and announces Girl Tony has shown up. Girl Tony comes in looking fly as hell. Right? <laughs> She's so fucking cool. I love her. But okay, I have a question. Why yeah. Why did people think, it, is there a reason why people thought it was cool to like flip the brim of your baseball cap up? Don't people do that again now? No, they kind of just leave it flat. Like there's the flat, you know, not curving your baseball cap. Yeah. But I don't see a lot of people like bending it up. I don't know. I don't know. Fashion, man. Okay. It's a weird fickle mistress. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) We on this podcast, we have already talked about a dude who just got bored and like put a shotgun to a pair of jeans. That's true. I have zero answers. Okay. Okay. I just ride the wave, my friend. (laughs) So girl, Tony walks in, Buzz for some reason decides to talk to her and goes, Hey, you got a girlfriend yet? And then girl, Tony is amazing. And she goes, no, but don't worry. Your name is on the list all the way down, way, way down at the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) When everybody else is dead, then maybe. (laughs) Then maybe, but probably not because you will definitely be dead if everybody else is dead. (laughs) Yeah. So she just drops this sass on him. And then the two Tonys leave for the day, whatever they're going to do, AA or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we're left with Nick, Blossom and Buzz in the kitchen. So Nick asks again if Blossom knows how this Steve guy feels about her and kind of gets into a dad like diatribe about... You know, I'm just giving you like a bit of a warning about how people will let you down and rip out your heart to which Blossom replies, how'd your date go last night? And he goes, not well, (laughs) we broke up. (laughs) Oh, Nick. And I I do love it's for comedy, obviously, but I do love this sort of like reality spin of Nick just trying to do his best to like parent his children who only want to date and like bang it out and he cannot even give them advice about it because he is also bad at it. Yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know. It seemed like weird advice to give, even if you're a parent who's like still going through like dating yourself and not having much success. It still seemed odd to me for him to be like, people are going to disappoint you every time you tried it. Like it just, I don't know. It was weird. I thought it was weird. Yeah. Well, we've seen that sometimes they, uh, they let their emotion get the better of the conversation. Right. And also I think, like we said, he's just so over like every week, there's a new dude that Blossom is obsessed with and she's going on and on about the, in this scene about like, there are just, there's that one person in your eyes, me, and you know, it's love at first sight, which I want to ask you about. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think like there's a difference between being like, okay, like we know what happened the last four times that you thought it was love at first sight. Like maybe we should take a step back and just kind of mm-hmm. like take things slow and jumping all the way to people are the worst and it doesn't matter. They're just going to tear out your heart. Yeah. You know, like it just no, seemed a little like aggressive. He's just getting over a breakup. He has a lot yeah. of feelings right now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well, Blossom's going on about this whole thing. She believes in love at first sight and she knows, she knows this is exactly what just happened to her. So let's talk about love at first sight because, and I'm only asking you this in the best possible terms because you've been with your husband for many, many years. Yes. And we've talked before about how you started dating in high school. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't love at first sight. I was like, he's cute. (laughs) Love at first sight. But like, I think there's a difference between they're hand in hand, but there's a difference between love at first sight and like vibing with someone like whether or not, you know what that relationship is going to lead to. Like, I think you can meet somebody and be like, I know I want to get to know you. I don't know how. Yes. I, yeah, I agree with that. I don't, I don't, I don't think there's such a thing as like literally just looking at someone and being like, we're going to be together forever. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you know, we're, my husband and I are very lucky that the ways that we grew as people over the last several years 
were ways that we both liked about each other, if that makes sense. Like yeah, that we yeah. like we didn't grow apart. We just kind of mm-hmm. like grew like as our own people, but, but in tandem. In tandem, yeah. Yeah. So and that doesn't always happen, right? So even if we do, if we do want to go down this love at first sight road, that can change as you continue mm-hmm. to develop as people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's interesting. So and it's funny because you know, when you're 14 or 15, you don't know the difference. Like yeah. you get the the horny puberty feeling. And <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll just call it it like it is. Like we've all been there. You looking at someone and being like, you are attractive and I am physically attracted to you when you're 15 is so frowned upon to just be a physical attraction. I could see how a 15 year old would be like, well, this must be love because I got a little flutter in an area. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Um, yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's almost easier to embarrass you when Eric's not here. Well, because I have to respond. I can't just be like, you guys talk. You can't just sit back just and sit let back. it happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to, I have to respond. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's very easy for, for young people to mistake feelings as love at first sight, you know, it's, an, it's yeah, a new yeah, thing, yeah. right? It's like, oh, I've never felt this before. So it must mm-hmm. be, you know, love it. And also we're raised on fairy tales. Yes, exactly. Even rom-coms, I would say, are fairy tales, right? Like mm-hmm. people meet, do love at first sight in all of movies. Yeah. All of movies. Um, <laughs> every movie ever. Um, <laughs> no, but there is there is a large amount of movies that are love at first sight. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's very easy to be 14 or 15 and have grown up with that in the zeitgeist and then see a cute boy and be like, oh my God, he's so cute. This must be love at first sight. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to talk to you about that just at the very tippity top of the episode, because there's so much of me when I was watching this, where I was like, if I put my brain into a 15 year old brain, I absolutely understand the trajectory, the trajectory of where we're about to go, Mm -hmm. but I'm still mad about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm still annoyed. I had to do a lot of like, but remember those journals you used to write? Like I had to keep placing myself in a 15 year old brain. Mm Mm-hmm. So we jump up to Blossom's bedroom. And this actually made me so excited because we have had the Fresh Prince be on this show before. Yes. So we open this scene up. Blossom is dancing around her bedroom. She has her her old timey cassette tape Walkman in. Her Walkman. Yeah. Oh, baby. Yes. It takes me back. Her yellow headphones. And she's just dancing crazy around her room. So she has her back turned to the door when Six walks in. And Six is just kind of watching her. And then she starts to like mimic the dance that Blossom is doing. Yeah, she dances with her. (laughs) And I'm assuming that this is a direct reference to a first season episode from The Fresh Prince. Will is just showing up at the house. He's getting to know his cousins. Ashley is up in her room doing this wacky dance. And Will walks in. And like is mimicking her for like a solid two minutes. Yeah. And it's this is um, you can go find it. If you Lord knows if you don't know what this scene is, please go find it. Fun fact, Jen and I did that scene down the street. Um <laughs> yeah, we really did. After we after the Fresh Prince episode ha- happened, we started talking about that scene and then we got to finally see each other again. And we just started doing that dance. Yeah, we danced down. down the street. <laughs> um yeah, you know what? I I I didn't even think about that until you just mentioned it right now. But I I mean, yeah, Fresh Prince was really popular. So why wouldn't they reference that scene? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It Maybe it wasn't, but just the blocking was yeah. so almost exactly like it. Yeah. That's what I thought of. So obviously Blossom turns around and sees six there and they instantly launch into, I have big news. I have big news. No, you go first. No, you go first. They're like whose news is bigger? Who's going to say it first? So that's a little bit that they have. And then six decides she's going to go first because her news is just like huge, huge. Yes. I just did a weird pretty woman thing there. <laughs> huge. Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> So she was at the supermarket and she ran in, she goes into this diatribe about this girl she meets and then she makes fun of her appearance. So I'm going to pretend it didn't happen because it doesn't mean anything. So, but I did want to say, so the thing that she, she makes fun of is the large gap in her teeth. And I'm watching this, remembering how I watched this as a child. And my note is literally, I wonder why I hated my gap so much. Why I didn't want to talk about it. I, I didn't even remember this. Like this little bit. 
Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching it being like, well, if that's how they were talking about tooth gaps on TV, then it's no wonder I grew up to get my fix. <laughs> it's wild, right? That stuff sticks with you. It's such like a throwaway thing in the episode. But the fact that you instantly thought about that. Yeah. Ugh. TV, do better. Do better. Do better. <laughs> So anyway, she was talking about this girl who I was trying to avoid, but you brought it up anyways. Well, I felt like I had to. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, she gets told about there's a new edition of a Missy magazine that's come out. You know, the one with the article where where Madonna says that she doesn't like to be spanked. Okay. (laughs) Which was funny because I did look it up. So Madonna's book called Sex, Uh that was like a huge controversy when it came out. It was kind of like, sort of like a photo book of just like like a coffee table book yeah it was a coffee table book called you've never okay I should have done a deeper dive on this then so Madonna came out with a book in 1992 so this joke is actually funnier to me now because this came out before the sex book came out and I've never read the book personally but from what everything I saw it's like little blips and interviews but it was mostly a coffee table book with like sex photography and like trying to normalize sex right because yeah. madonna yeah so that made that joke really funny to me um <laughs> so anyway she's going to go look for this magazine and then at the magazine rack she sees steve warner oh my god who starts talking to her and asks her out <gasps> how dare she <laughs> of course six is ex- so excited so excited she's like isn't he so cute i think it's really amazing we just clicked right away and we just see blossom's face fall she is Mm -hmm. just crushed she doesn't say anything she kind of gets up and starts puttering with things on her desk she's trying to avoid looking at six or talking to her six asks her okay well what's your news now and the scene just kind of ends with her like just fumbling to come up with something to say yeah she doesn't like it's clear she doesn't want to rain on six's parade by being like my news was that he said hi to me and i have a massive crush on him yeah because she knows that six will probably stop dating him i think is is kind of what it is is that she feels like if she says something she's gonna ruin it for six and six isn't gonna get to be happy but i mean she does that later anyways but i I think that's kind of her thought process at this point i think it might also be absolutely that But, you know, the guy kind of looks at Blossom and says, hi. And Blossom is like, so we're in love, right? Whereas Six just came over and said, actually, I had a full ass conversation with him. So I know he actually likes me. So I think it's also that. Yeah, a little bit of of embarrassment that like, how could I let myself fall so hard, hard for this guy who just said, hi, nice shirt. Yeah, right. When the real thing is actually happening to her best friend. Yeah. So I think it's it's. Yeah, she doesn't want to hurt Six's feelings, but also absolutely embarrassment. So that's a really sad scene and we feel really bad for Blossom. Poor Blossom. But she's trying to kind of do the right thing in this moment and not make a thing of it. Um, So we jump to the living room and we see Joey and Nick are just sitting and reading their own things. And then Joey's doing this thing where like he's whistling, like he's trying to get Nick to look at him. Yep, that's exactly what he's doing, yeah. Yeah, and then Nick finally does look at him and Joey's like, I knew it. You can see it. You're looking right at it. It turns out Joey has what might be the beginning of a pimple and he is having a full meltdown about it because he has a date on Saturday. He keeps trying to point it out and Nick doesn't see it until he literally like grabs his forehead and stares at it. Yeah. And then as soon as he acknowledges it, Joey's like, you saw it. This is the worst. <laughs> so good. So dramatic. Yeah. So at this point, Tony comes in and he says, you know what? The test went great. Like, in fact, he was in the top 10% of his class, which is amazing. Yeah. Tony's a smart dude. He's a really, really smart dude. So what they've done in this class is for anyone in the top 10%, they've actually immediately set up an interview. (laughs) Don't you wish employment was like that now? (laughs) God, I know. Every time somebody talks about getting a job on this show, I just feel my soul die a little bit. Yeah. Remember that time you could just like walk into a place? Remember when they told us that if we went to university, we'd have a job? (laughs) (laughs) That was a fun joke they played on us. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It was a a good time and we're all still laughing about it. So yeah, they've they've done this very nice thing where everybody in the top 10%, they immediately get an interview set up for them to train to be an EMT. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that they've been given the application ahead of time 
to prepare for the interview. And the application does have questions about past drinking and drug use. Yeah. I, I was curious about the legalities of this. Me too. Okay. <laughs> so I did a little, a little Googling. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything from my little amount of research. I couldn't find anything from the nineties, but, and I searched California specifically because that's, that's where they live. Um, mm-hmm. But as of 2018, it is illegal for employers in California to ask about criminal history before making a job offer. And once they've made the job offer, they can then do a background check going back seven years. However, there are certain types of jobs that are exempt from this where they can ask about criminal history. And those are, quote, positions for which state or local agency is required by law to conduct a conviction history background check. So kind of, sort of. So I wanted to get a little bit more information about this. So then I searched for EMT specific to see if I could find anything in California about asking about criminal history. And I found that there's a current law in California that prohibits people who have been convicted of two or more felonies from uh, obtaining EMT licenses. So you can't even get your license if you have two felonies Hmm. in California, but people are trying to overturn that. So if Tony had been arrested and convicted of two felonies, he wouldn't have even been taking the test. He couldn't have even done that. Then I wanted to whittle it down from like criminal history to just drug and like alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. And I found the only thing I could find was that random drug testing is allowed, but couldn't find specifically if they're allowed to ask these questions. But based on the like certain positions they're allowed to, I would assume that this is one of those where they're allowed to uh, ask the questions. Yeah, exactly. So you did actually a little bit more than I did. Oh, okay. Actually did quite a bit more than I did now that I'm looking (laughs) at my notes, but it was the same sort of thing. So yeah, I got the same thing that they can only really dive into it after they've already been offered the job. And at that point, it's only if like, it's very, very specific to that particular job performance. Mm -hmm. So yes, if you are an EMT and in charge of saving people's lives, then absolutely makes a little bit of sense. If you are in the process of using drugs or alcohol, yeah, absolutely. You shouldn't be in charge of handling someone else's life. Yeah. So I I'm assuming that this is one of the like state or local agencies that are allowed to ask the questions on the application Mm -hmm. as opposed to waiting until they offer you the job. Yeah. Yeah. So what's wild about the questions that he says on this particular job application, you get the standard, like, you know, have you ever yeah. drugs or alcohol, but then it goes into how long were you doing it for? What was the frequency? What kind of drug was it? You can't ask that. It's very specific. It's very specific and weirdly discriminatory. Like does the drug matter? I don't know. Yeah. So that's the legality as, as far as we know it, of course, we don't know American law as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like they would have been able to ask about criminal history and like past drug use. I don't know if this detail of question, I mean, if, if they're asking, if they're going to do a background check when they hire you anyways, then like, it seems like they're going to find, like, if you like, we know Tony was arrested at some point, so they're going to find that out. But yeah, it just seems like really specific. And I, I, I wonder if it's just to, to make the situation feel even more hopeless to Tony. Yeah. I think it's a plot point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I love that we had the same reaction. We're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Rude. You can't do that. Yeah. I know in Canada, there's certain things that they can't ask you if you are working. Like when I worked at a summer camp, they could do a criminal background check because you're working with children. Like there's certain areas where they can do background checks. I don't know that they do it everywhere. Right. But it is a thing that they can do a background check on you. I don't think they can I don't know. I feel like I've done a lot of applications where it says like, have you ever been? What I recall is just incarceration and it doesn't specify why. Yeah. I feel like there was, there was something about like, like, have you ever been charged for something where the charges weren't dropped? Like something along those lines. Right. But it's not specific to what the felony was or what have you. So no. They're just doing it to make him all nervous. Yeah. So we cut from that scene. This is now later. Blossom's in the living room when the bell rings. So she opens it up and uh, Six and Steve Warner are smashing faces out on the front stoop. And we just get the most classic sitcom. Ooh! 
so good. I think this is the longest makeout session of any character that we've seen on the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it was a big deal. It was huge. I was like, get it, six? Yeah, and it was six. Well, the f- it was funny because I made a note because I'm like, so they're like that deep into each other's faces. Who rang the doorbell? What, what's the physics of, were they just like also making out, but then somebody just like slapped their hand around the door until they hit the bell? Maybe they leaned up against it and accidentally rang the bell. Oh, butt dial. Yeah, butt bell. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the boy turns around. It's Steve Warner. So I do have a cultural context for this. Oh, okay. A little bit sad, oh. but I have it. Okay. So the boy playing Steve Warner is the actor Jonathan Brandis. He was actually just starting to be a big deal when this episode came out. So some background on Jonathan Brandis. He started acting in commercials when he was five and he was doing commercials for most of the time up until about 1990. So at that time, he starred in the never ending story sequel, which I remember seeing once and be like, eh, I never need to see that again. What would you say if I told you I've never seen the never ending story? Like never seen the, it. The <laughs> date night. We're having a movie night. That is unacceptable. I shan't. Especially because my dog looks like a luck dragon. I'm going to take a picture and add it to socials. My dog look, looks like a luck dragon. <laughs> I know what the weird flying dog thing looks like. Yeah, that's a luck dragon. And I know the song. Everyone knows the song. But I've never seen the movie. Oh, baby. But I, I do assume that it ends. It's never ending. There's an end to the movie, though. And the credits roll. The story is never ending, Mallory. <laughs> That's why there's a sequel. It's over here poking <laughs> holes. Don't do this to my childhood. <laughs> yeah, so he was a never-ending story sequel, which was not awesome. But that same year, he was in the TV movie It, the one with Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. And he played Bill Denbro, which was the kind of the lead kid with the stutter. I've also never seen It because I don't like scary movies. That one I will give you a pass on because that is a very specific... It took me a long time to see It because I am... A big fat wussy. Yeah. (laughs) So I will give you that one. Never ending story. I'm not giving you a pass on at all. So he did those two movies in the same year. And then he was like, so dreamy. So he started to be popular and he was in like Tiger Beats and stuff, which I remember from that time. I remember getting Tiger Beat magazines and being like, I don't really know who you are that much, but you're cute. But you're cute. (laughs) You're cute. And you have a poster. Um, So the last kind of major thing that he did, I guess Steven Spielberg um, produced this show from 1993 to 1996 called Sequest. Okay. Which is like humans make communities in the ocean. And it was like a sci-fi. Like in the ocean or like in like under the ocean, like communities of submarines. I don't, it looked weird, but it ran for three seasons and he was on that. All right. Sequest. Sequest 2032. Um, So that was the last major thing he did. So unfortunately, after he was on Sequest, he kind of struggled to make that transition from like cute teenage boy to he wanted to be like a writer and director and a more mm-hmm. serious actor and he just couldn't make that happen so unfortunately as happens sometimes to child actors he got in a bad way and he did pass away Aww. in 2003 at the age of 27 oh so i had when he turned around i had a full moment of jonathan brandis oh, oh no that's so sad really put a damper on watching oh. the rest of that scene for me <laughs> poor jonathan but he's Steve Warner here and we don't like him. He's done nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with Steve Warner. There's nothing wrong there was, with him. I, I felt no anger towards Steve Warner. No. At all I don't think we're supposed to. I, I feel like you're supposed to in the first scene for like a hot second until you're like, wait, he literally has no idea what's going on. Yeah, he's done nothing. He's done nothing. He's done nothing. He like makes out on someone else's front stoop, which is a little, that's kind of rude, which but. is a little weird. Yeah. But besides that, he walked six to the door. He seems like a nice enough boy. Yes. So he says, okay, I'll leave you here. They make a date to go to the mall the next day. And then Steve leaves. Uh, he says something about like, oh, so I'll see you at 7.30. Six drops this gross line of like, oh yeah, I'm better than most women at being on time. Ugh, whatever. Ugh, terrible feminism. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, Six is super excited by this and says, we have to go find an outfit. We only have like 24 hours or whatever till I have to go meet him at the mall. I need to go start planning outfits. Yes. 
Yes. So they run upstairs. Blossom is just over it. Yeah. She's so annoyed. Yeah. You can see how annoyed she is. So they go up to her bedroom. So Six wants to gossip about Steve and talk about how great he is. And she's like pulling clothes, like repeat clothes, which we've seen before, which I love. Yeah. The first outfit she holds up is the uh, one of my outfits of the week from. It was like the cottage core. Yeah. Yeah. And then we see the we see the tent dress later, too. Yes. Yeah. So obviously Six is excited. She wants to talk to her best friend about it. And Blossom is just being the worst picking fights like finding random still not saying to six why she's mad no but finding the most like minuscule things to be rude to her about you know like six says oh he's such a great kisser and blossom goes oh based on what you wouldn't know yeah she she full-on attacks six who's done nothing wrong nothing yeah like attack six for like borrowing her clothes all the time and not returning them like not knowing anything about boys so like why is she even so excited like she doesn't even know like just finding anything so obviously six gets pissed and they have this huge argument and she walks out now i did one of my weird fashion deep dives but i think you'll be into it okay because um six during the scene is obviously picking out clothes and then she says uh, something about she can't wear this particular thing because she's in autumn. Yep. <laughs> so I already knew about this because I'm me, but I kind of got into the idea of like dressing for your season, which you guys might have heard about before. And Mallory's nodding, so I know yeah. she's heard about this. I've heard about it. I've always wanted to to get to like know what my colors are, but I've never like done it i've never done anything about it it's so much more intense than i thought it was did you do it i look i i I got a link i'm gonna put it up in the show notes guys in case you want to know your season okay because there was like a whole thing of like training women to go like i don't think it was like an mlm but they would come to your house with their little fabrics and like hold Mm -hmm. them over your face like under your chin to like determine what and that just seems like a whole thing that i don't want to do but it also seems very intriguing (laughs) Yeah. So, and I won't get too deep in, I could talk about this forever, but I'm not going to do it. I will give you a little snippet. Okay. So how you find your season is basically based off of your, your natural um, color tones and your features. So someone like me, who is just like an Irish tomato, I, I am a cool tone skin because I have red, pink undertones in my skin. I have pretty bright blue eyes. However, I have warm hair because I have auburn hair. Yes. So I'm like, I'm like a mixy match of seasons. So there's like main seasonal colors, which like your winters are cooler colors, like your blues and some greens and whites and stuff like that. Autumnal colors are, they look fucking autumn. They're like orange and red and yellows and shits (laughs) like that. So all of the seasons have color attributes, but I found out there's a whole freaking deep dive. So if you're not just all cool colors like me, I'm like a a two cool, one warm. There's like a subcategory blues and like my greens go more toward teals. Is it winter by the sea? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm going to call it that. Okay. Yeah, there's like cool winter and deep winter. That's that's not as fun as winter by the sea. I know. It sounds like a school dance. <laughs> Instead of under the sea, just under the go. sea, winter by the sea. So yeah, like the link I'm going to put up, it has like a whole flow chart. Okay. And like a way of finding out. Okay. So I could figure mine out then maybe. Guys, at the end of the day, fashion is arbitrary. Wear whatever the hell you want. Yes. But it's pretty interesting. Color theory is interesting. Yeah. And also Six says she's an autumn. And I'm like, girl, you're not an autumn. You are clearly a spring. Get out of here. <laughs> you, that's how you know the, the the people writing this had no idea. This was written by a man. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, this is what women talk about, whether they were spring or an autumn. Yeah, exactly. So for a very serious scene, that's Jen talking about fashion again. Tell us your season. Um <laughs> So we jump back to the living room. Tony is still lamenting with Nick and Joey and girl Tony is back in the house. He's lamenting about how he can't believe that his past is going to ruin his future. And he's Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to navigate this interview in the way that will like get him a job. But also, you know, Tony is very... He's a very honest dude. He's not about shying away from what he's done. So yeah. he wants to do it the right way in a way that feels ethically good to him, you know? Yeah. Well, and and like we said, if they're going to 
they're not just going to ask you these questions and then take your word for it. They're going to do a background check. Exactly. Right. So it's interesting. It gets more interesting when you look back at the scene, having finished the episode, but we'll get there. So girl, Tony is saying that the only way to get the job is to lie. She knows this from experience, from having done a bunch of job interviews. And as soon as she's truthful, she automatically doesn't get the job. And she says the line, don't tell people something they have no business knowing. Fair. Fair. Tell them what they want to hear. And that's her advice is like, just lie, do what you got to do to get through life. I'd be curious to know what kind of jobs she's been interviewing for, Mm -hmm. because if they're just ones where she can say like, no, I've never had a drug problem and they don't like do a background check, then it's, it's not the same situation as what Tony's in. Like this is a, this is a, not that all jobs aren't important, but this is like a, a big job where, yeah, you're going to be around a lot of drugs and you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're responsible for people's lives. Because it's Tony specifically that says it, I would like you to put a pin on the fact that it's a young black woman saying yeah. this line. Yeah. And we'll get there, guys. But like put a pin in that information that she's yeah. the one saying this. So, of course, Nick is saying, no, you have to be honest because that's who you are and it's the right thing to do. So Nick suggests that they do a mock interview. I don't know what he thinks this is going to accomplish. Obviously, Tony is going to do the thing that Nick thinks he should do because he's the one running the mock interview. Well, but I also think it gives him an opportunity to think about how he wants to answer the question. Mm. Right. Like, you know, rather than just thinking like it's hopeless, like it doesn't matter. They're not going to hire me. He gets the opportunity to think about a way to answer the question in a positive way. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I was just like, They're putting very high stakes on this mock interview with his daddy, who is obviously he's just going to try to impress. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think Tony kind of drops a line like that, too. She's like, of course, you just got hired in this fake interview run by your father. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, so they do the mock interview. Joey volunteers to be Tony, but is shot down because that's not what this is about. I okay. what I love about this moment at first, you're like, oh, Joey's just a dumbass. No, Joey sits down and he's super disappointed. He's like, I do a great Anthony impression, but there's not, there's no market for it. I'm like, so Joey's not stupid. He just wants time to work on his type five. Well, and also I want to see this impression. Me too. I want to see this impression. (laughs) So I love that moment that it's like, oh, Joey's not stupid. He just like wants to work on his stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to, he wants to get his SNL uh, audition ready. Yeah, exactly. Which good on him. Have goals, man. (laughs) So they start this mock interview. They get to the drug question. Tony answers it. Honestly, he has a very nicely thought out answer. I should have done the verbatim. I I wrote it down because I thought it was really, really good. So and and I thought I thought it was a very good answer to the question that like, yeah, again, like makes it into a positive. So he says, I no longer use drugs or alcohol. I used to have a problem, but now I'm sober. I go to AA meetings twice a week and I don't intend to live my my adult life paying for mistakes I made as a kid. I'm going to do an excellent job for you if you would just give me a chance. Yeah, it was so good. Such a good answer. And that's, I mean, if we're talking about interviews, that's the type of answer you want to give for most questions. Like Mm -hmm. if they ask you a yes or no question, you don't just want to go, yeah. (laughs) Like, like, you know, you need to to talk about it and like why, like. Yeah, explain Explain yourself. Yes, do a better job (laughs) than I'm doing right now at explaining yourself. So, of course, Nick is very proud of him. And he goes, oh, you got the job, blah, blah, blah. And they, they hug. And then that's when girl Tony drops the, of course, you got the job. It's your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we start to think like, OK, maybe this can go well for him. We jump to the next scene and we see Blossom is walking through the hallway. It buzzes. Ho- hotel apartment at this point? I'm not sure. I don't know. Cause it has, there's like a thing on the back of the door. Like there is in hotels mm. where it's like the, like go here if there's a fire, like the escape right. plans or whatever. <laughs> escape plans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to be just like a tiny bachelor apartment. Maybe, maybe it's like one of those motels that you rent by the month. Mm, good point. Cause there is like a little kitchenette. That's what I mean. It's like yeah. a functioning space. Yeah. So she's walking down the hallway with this, older woman who's like carrying all this clothing. I did also want to say that I literally forgot that Buzz was in this episode until this part. And I was like, I was watching it thinking like, oh man, an episode without Buzz, this is great. And then this scene happened, oh yeah. 
We saw him in the beginning too. No, but I forgot. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Because it was such a little part, right? Like it was just that one line of like, oh, honey made the cinnamon rolls and that was it. And everybody rejoiced. Yeah. Because there was very little buzz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this woman is carrying all this clothing. She makes this comment about how the girls just keep getting younger. And she doesn't seem perturbed by that. No. That's he laughs. So it turns out that this is honey. And we learn that she's basically uh, functioning as Buzz's maid. She hands over a bunch of clothing that presumably she has laundered. Mm -hmm. But then we find out that she's honey, but she didn't make the cinnamon rolls because Buzz has several girlfriends and he calls them all honey because it's easier. You know, Blossom tried to call him out. She was like, that's really sexist, Grandpa. And he's like, no, I just forget their names. The whole thing, the whole concept here was. I appreciate that they put that line in there, but it got dropped real fast. <laughs> yep. Oh, grandpa's just the worst. <laughs> Whatever. So anyways, Blossom starts to kind of, well, Buzz gets it out of her because she kind of walks in and doesn't say anything at first. Yeah, she's just like, things are bad. You're bad. <laughs> and then she doesn't really get into the very specifics of the issue, but t- she does say like something happened. It's related to a boy. She started this huge fight with Six and Six doesn't even know the reason that they're fighting. And that's the worst part about the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Buzz gives her basically no advice. Yeah, she ends up just kind of talking through it herself and giving herself yeah. advice. Well, and then Buzz is like, why didn't you ask literally anybody else in your family? Yep. And Buzz like, well, because I made a huge fucking deal about love at first sight to dad. So I can't go back to him because I'm embarrassed, which fair enough. Like, I, I will absolutely give her that. Tony is preoccupied with his test right now. And Joey's Joey. And they both just agree, like, there's no point. Yeah. Like, don't talk to Joey. <laughs> Although I would like to see more conversations with Joey because we've seen it happen before and they've always been very sweet when they happen. Yeah, I I don't know that I'd go to Joey for relationship advice, but they, yeah, they they do have a very sweet relationship, Blossom and Joey. But I wouldn't go to Buzz for relationship advice. No, I don't think she really, well, because she doesn't actually get any from him. I don't think that she's there for necessarily advice for him. She just wants someone to listen to her as she figures it out herself. Right. But that being said, I would have been interested to see this scene with girl Tony instead of Buzz. I would have been interesting to see Blossom like talk to a girl who has probably gone through the same thing and can like relate. Oh my God, I'm so mad they didn't do this now. Right? <laughs> Holy crap. That would have been so good. Like she would have been able to be to say, I've been exactly where you are. Blossom needs women in her life who aren't six. Yep. Because six doesn't know shit. <laughs> I love her so much. She's just as lost. She's a little bit of an airhead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That would have been amazing. Can we like fanfic this episode and rewrite it with yes. Tony? Yes. Yes. I love it. So Buzz is like, okay, well, I'm going to give you no advice, but I'll take you out to lunch. Well, he does give her advice, which is just, it's a dog eat dog world, which I have no idea how it relates to anything that she's talked about, but it means nothing about anything. Yeah. He's like, but I'll take you out to lunch. He's like trying in his own way to be a decent human, I guess. But of course, as soon as he opens the door, there's a new different woman on the other side who is also called honey. (laughs) He's a pimp. Next scene. (laughs) hate him i know me too i want to be clear i don't hate the actor no he didn't write the script no it's the character is awful yeah the character is bad he's a bad bad man (laughs) (laughs) so i i loved this scene so much so mallory you know my penchant for dad jokes yeah oh yeah i (laughs) i love a good pun (laughs) you know my penchant for tony dropping some sweet sweet dad jokes yep this was this is just a black hole of amazing the wacky carrots (laughs) (laughs) jen is laughing so hard right now that she's making no noise it was good it was a great joke go back to a dad's girlfriend it was a fantastic joke oh i'm good we're we're back (laughs) wacky carrots okay (laughs) so tony is in the interview, I recognized the interviewer immediately. What did you recognize him from? Because I recognized him from something too. Everything. Well, the thing is, he's he's one of those that guys. Yep. If there's like a movie or a 
a TV spot where they need like either a grizzled cop or the complete 180 and they need like a mobster. This is the guy. So I recognized him. Uh, and I don't I don't think you would have gotten this because I don't think you watched the show growing up. But I recognized him from one episode of Boy Meets World. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't watch it. Yeah. Where he played. So uh, the first several seasons of Boy Meets World, they hang out at this restaurant called Chubby's. That's just like a dive, like not a dive bar because they're children, but like a greasy spoon, I guess, like a burger joint. Right. And he plays Chubby, the owner, and also like cook in one episode. Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he barely talks. The, the whole thing is that like you order based on like how he reacts to you. So like <laughs> he like he turns around and stares at you and you have to say turkey chubby. And then if he like wipes his nose, you can ask for a drink. <laughs> like, oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> whether or not he likes you, basically. But that's exact. I'm like, oh, it's chubby. <laughs> yeah. And he has that demeanor. He's just like this, this gruff man. So his yeah. name is I know I'm going to butcher the last name. John Capotes. Let's go with that. That might be how it's pronounced. Yeah. So he's in a little bit of everything every time they need kind of just like this gruff old dude to make you feel bad about yourself, (laughs) which he does a great job of in this in this scene. So we see Tony sitting in the interviews. Hair is all done up. He's looking real good. His suit and his little suit. And um, the interviewer asks why I left the donut shop. And don't, Tony says, there's only so long you can stare at donuts before your eyes start to glaze over. <laughs> and at this point, we learn the interviewer is a monster who doesn't appreciate puns. Right. Because this man hate puns. Tony cannot stop. No. It, it is just a wild roller coaster. So when they move on, the guy's like, I don't like puns. And then he asks why he wants to be an EMT. Well, Tony says when he was 10, he saw a lifeguard save a boy. So he wanted to be a lifeguard, but he can't swim that well. Um, what, it, there was something about God. What was it? So so then later, years later, he saw an EMT yes. do CPR on someone and that revived. His- it, it, it revived his interest. For some reason, I thought I was missing a pun on like, oh, I thought I was missing a water pun. No, no, it was revived his interest. <laughs> and every time he drops a pun, he's like, I swear I'm not trying to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And he just can't stop himself. He's so dedicated to getting the job. He would even work the graveyard shift. He He's dying to get the job. <laughs> he swears he's not doing this on purpose. And it's just this magical. If I were that interviewer, I'd be like, you hired. <laughs> right? Like the first one drops, I'd be like, we're best friends now. Yes. Yes. So then, of course, this dude asks the drug question and we cliffhang out of that scene. Mm-hmm. We don't see his answer. Just, oh my God, Michael Stroinoff's face as like he hears the words coming out of his mouth. I've done this in my life so many times. I'm sure this is what my face looks like. Tell me if I'm wrong. As you hear the words coming out of your own mouth that aren't what you thought they were going to be. Yeah, you just go. "Mm." (laughs) Just like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay, moving on. (laughs) Yeah, I said that. Those are are the words that that I said. uh, That just, now that's in the world. Yeah. I do it on this podcast all the time. I just do it in life. <laughs> so thank God we get the cliffhanger, but we immediately see what happens because um, Nick walks in, Tony's already home and Nick is just like in a fever. Like he asks how it went. He he had this good feeling at like 3.30. He had a really good feeling. So it must mean it went well. And then Tony's trying to give him the story, but like he keeps getting cut off. Yeah. And he goes, well, it was started out well. And then, you know, he asked me about the drug question and Nick goes, oh, well, at four o'clock, I got this really bad feeling. So you didn't get the job. Is that what's going on? And finally, they're just like, just shut. Just shut up. <laughs> shut up. You, you're doing the most right now. So Tony talks about how he was like punning uncontrollably and he thought it was going to be terrible. Yeah. But then he reveals that on the drug question, he decided to go with the truth. Because he'd figured he had punned so hard that he had already bombed anyways. So he may as well just like say everything he wanted to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the turnaround on this is that after he reveals this information, the interview drops the line. So you're just taking it a day at a time. Mm -hmm. And we find out that the interviewer himself is a recovering alcoholic. He just got past his 20 years of being sober. So this guy completely understands where Tony is coming from. Yep. Tony got the job. Yay. And the audience applauds. And everybody applauds for him and he gets hugs and it's so cute. And we're all happy. So proud of Tony. Now I will say this is where my, my downer 
put a pin in it comes into play. Okay. But I feel like we don't even need to have the conversation necessarily. Like the fact that Tony walked into an interview as a, as a white man. Yep. As, as a white man and tried to do exactly the same thing a black woman did. And he magically got the job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all circumstantial, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah. We know we, I mean, like we talked about last week, we do have to acknowledge the world that we live in and Mm -hmm. try to work towards changing that. Yeah. Um, and it sucks that this is the world that we live in. I know. I know. Uh, so find the little things. Yeah. Fan fiction, all the shit we don't like. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have this dumb bit that didn't really need to be here. Joey has wrapped a bandage around his head because it's going to be like zit camouflage. He's going to tell his date that he was in a bungee jumping accident. That's that's the bit. Right. So, so at this point, we've kind of wrapped up the buzz and honey stuff. Mm-hmm. And the Joey and the zit stuff. I, I don't know about you, but I feel like those two, I don't know if we want to call them even plot lines, like C and D plot lines. They just seemed like filler. There's stuff for the characters to do and say. It could have, we could have had this entire episode without those two bits. Yeah. You know, like we could have just had the Blossom and the Tony storyline. We didn't need this extra like Buzz is dating everybody and calling them honey. And Joey has his it. Like, I don't know. It was just kind of like, why? Well, I think we've talked about this before and it's only gotten worse since Buzz has gotten here because, you know, I think the writers don't really know what to do with Joey a lot of the time. So we were finding even in season one, there was a lot of stuff happening with Joey. We were like, we don't really know why this is happening, but he's there. So they got to do something. So I'm wondering why would you add another character to that? Who's kind of like a second Joey. Well, yeah. And I mean, even like in this episode specifically, like Joey is involved in the Tony storyline, right? Like he's helping him practice. He's, um, you know, wants to play Tony in the interview. Yeah mock interview so he has stuff that he's doing like there was no need to like it just felt like maybe they didn't have enough time and they needed to pad out the episode yeah like that's kind of what it felt like no I totally agree I'm I feel like the writers are still sorting out how to like deal with this thing that they did to themselves yeah (laughs) does that make sense yeah so yeah they end this really amazing scene with a thing that just feels like eh, sure yeah why yeah kind of ruins the moment but whatever so we get to the last scene. Six is returning all of Blossom's clothes that she has borrowed. It is an enormous pile of clothing. Yeah. We see the tent dress on top, the one that I absolutely hated. Yeah. <laughs> the, the plaid tent dress. So she kind of storms in and throws the clothes on the chair. Pretty quickly, Blossom admits, I want to talk to you. I'm not mad about the clothes. I am jealous and I got a little upset because you found somebody. And I happened to have this boy that I really liked and it was an unrequited crush. And then that made me upset. And she very actively like talks her way around the fact that it was the same guy, which I was something I probably would have done. Yeah, I thought (laughs) I thought it was a good choice because she's being honest with six, but she's not she's not adding the detail that would make six upset. Like she's not, she's not adding the details that would ruin Six's fun time. Yeah. But she's explaining what happened so that Six understands. Yeah. Um, There's a fun moment where Six doesn't know what unrequited means. So I have a note where Blossom says she has this unrequited crush and Six returns with unrequited. Is that like unnecessary? And my note was like, sometimes though. Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) If it's unrequited, you didn't need them anyways. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. You do you. So yeah, she says she has this unrequited crush. I can't talk today. Um, She doesn't mention it was Steve, but Six is very sympathetic to this. And she goes, okay, well, if I had known that you were going through that, then I wouldn't have talked so much about what I was like. I would have been a little more sensitive and they they reconcile almost immediately. Yeah, I do. I do have a note here. Blossom says that she didn't tell Six because she had a raw open wound in her soul and needed a day or two to get over it. And I thought it was a funny line, but I also thought it was a very Holden Caulfield line. Like if we're, you know. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the um, uh, Catcher in the Rye influence was was real, real obvious there. <laughs> hmm so dramatic yeah everything is the worst yes so yeah they reconcile really really quickly yeah which is which is fine like it's kind of what needed to happen yeah well now that six knows that like it was never about her Mm -hmm. you know she 
she understands. Yeah. And Blossom does the good thing um, where she goes, okay, well, now that that's cleared, I'm going to help you find an outfit to wear. So they start going back through the pile of clothing that Six was trying to return and being like, oh, actually take this back because this is what you need to wear to your date, which I thought was a cute little Yeah, it was very cute. So while they're doing this, Six is pressing to find out, you know, who is this? Because she doesn't know the word unrefundable guy. (laughs) That Blossom has a crush on. So you can see Blossom kind of scrambling. She lies and says it was Ira Noonan, who apparently is a goofy looking French horn player with the green glasses. But then Blossom says, oh no, but you haven't seen him in contacts. He's super hot in contacts. And I'm like, same girl. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta gas myself up if nobody else will. (laughs) You look good in your glasses. I I was making You look good in anything. Aw. I love you. (laughs) You're a beautiful unicorn. (laughs) So yeah, Blossom lies and says it's this other guy. And then of course, unfortunately, Six is like, oh my God, well, if you start dating, we should go on a double date. And Blossom's like, yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) Brushes it off, doesn't make a thing of it, is very kind about it. So then the episode ends, they're sitting on the bed. They start talking about how Six should wear her hair. And we fade out on Blossom giving her advice on what she should do on her date and it's just a very lovely moment I don't know so I think we've already kind of covered it but do you agree that she kind of was right to talk around like at what point is it better to be honest in situations like this or no I think she made the right choice I think I think she knew if she said Steve was the guy I had a crush on six would be like, Oh my God. Okay. Well I'll stop dating him then. And Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to take that away from like, she can see how excited six is and, and how happy she is. Like, Mm -hmm. I think she made the right choice to be, to apologize for how she behaved, explain why she behaved the way she did, but without adding that unnecessary, it really is unnecessary detail. Yeah. It's, you know, six doesn't need to know that. She just needs to know that it had nothing to do with her, why Blossom was acting the way she was. Yeah, for sure. I think this is one of those, like, let's say, we know it's not going to be, but let's say that this ended up being like a longstanding relationship and you get like some months behind it. Maybe you could talk about it later on if you ever wanted to, but yeah, like at the beginning, it's whatever. Yeah, and I I also don't like, you know, as as hard as Blossom fell for a guy who said, hi, nice shirt, I think- in like a couple of weeks, she'll realize that like, it wasn't that important. And there, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. anything to ruin Six's relationship over. There will be a new boy of the week. Yeah. There'll be a new guy who says he likes her shirt. I did also notice we have a new ending credit sequence. Yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. So up until he, up until now, it's just been the credits playing over like stills from the episode. And this episode, the credits played over bloopers and outtakes from the opening sequence which I love bloopers I love outtakes I yeah so I really enjoyed this (laughs) it was very cute it was things like you know she's doing her flip and then she like falls over the cleaning the floor (laughs) yeah they're cleaning like her her shoe scuff marks off of the floor so they can do another take like yeah so it's like these crew guys in there with brooms and like Maya and Bialik just there with a spray bottle spraying (laughs) the floor (laughs) It was really cute. It was, I hope they keep that. That was really neat. I thought that was fun. I think they do for a bit. Cool. Yeah, I love bloopers. Oh my God, I could fall into a YouTube black hole of bloopers. I love bloopers. I love seeing actors, like you can see it in some scenes, them having a lot of fun, but I love bloopers because it's just people having fun. Yeah, exactly. You're seeing people enjoying what they're doing. Yeah. uh, So heartwarming. So that's the episode. Let's jump to outfit of the week. So I chose Blossom's second outfit, which was the oversized yellow button down shirt with like this large floral tropical print on it. Basically, the shirt looks like what a grandma in the 80s would wear in Florida. Yes. Like it looked very Golden Girls. Yes. And then she has on white white bike shorts with lace around the cuff and then like these scrunched up white socks and running shoes. And I enjoyed that outfit. <laughs> it looked real comfy. Yeah. So we already talked about it a little bit, but I picked Tony's Superfly outfit from the beginning. With the flipped up ball cap. With the flipped up ball cap. Um, so for a little more detail, it. I was looking at it again. I'm like, it qu- kind of looks like the outfit I picked for Will Smith, but... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that till later. Um, So she's wearing um, black jeans 
a yellow short sleeved like sweat hoodie, a baggy orange patchwork vest, and then the baseball cap, which is flipped up and just has like the largest brim yeah. known to man. And it also has sort of like an orangey and blue patchwork. It was just like very cool. Also looked super comfortable. Everything back then was comfortable. Right. Because we bought everything like six sizes bigger than it needed to be. Yeah. It's just like very cool. And it was the perfect outfit for her to be wearing as she was like sassing Buzz. Yep. I don't know. It just, it all fit. It was chef's kiss. So what do you think the lesson of the week was? I thought it was right in the, t- right in the title. Tell the truth. Yeah. However, however, as we literally just discussed with the Blossom storyline, telling the truth doesn't mean that you have to share all of the details. Like if you know mm-hmm. that the little details are going to really hurt someone, you can still tell the truth without hurting the person. Like you don't need to disclose everything. Yeah, for sure. So I find the way that I'm writing my lessons now, because there are always lessons. Sometimes they kind of sound like lessons before. So my lessons always sound like jokes, but they're... Okay. Is it a pun? Is your lesson a pun? Is your lesson to always pun? No. Frick, it should have been. (laughs) My lesson of the week, obviously gender this however works for you, but it was chicks before dicks. Okay. (laughs) Especially when you're still a teenager. Yeah. I think it's friends before crushes, right? Like that's... I mean, if you don't want to be crude about it, Mallory... (laughs) Well, well, because I'm here trying to make a comedy podcast. Okay. (laughs) I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. So yeah, to, to elaborate on it, it's, I think, especially at that age, I think you should, it's something you should be mindful of at any age. Um, obviously as you get older, your romantic partner, however you navigate that relationships, they do become far more important to your Mm -hmm. life. And the role they play against your friendships obviously changes a little bit more as you settle down and make life decisions. However, at the end of the day, your friends, if you have good friends, are the ones that will be there if for whatever reason your partner is not there. Yeah. Especially at an age when you're like Blossom and you like a new boy every week. Yeah. I think that's, that's what it is. Right. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say like chicks before dicks or like bros before hoes or whatever (laughs) for like some people use that as an excuse to treat their partners poorly. Oh yeah. But I think what, what we're getting at, what Jen is getting at and what we're getting at here is value your long-term relationships more than a fleeting might be something if mm-hmm. that makes sense you know like yep. that's that's kind of the sentiment as opposed to like you can treat your romantic partners poorly <laughs> because you got friends yeah <laughs> no absolutely I have to say the funny thing because that's how I deal with my emotions <laughs> but absolutely you, yeah you got it on the head it's you know the the right friendships will be there for you no matter what else is going on in your yeah. life so it's important to Nurture that however you need to. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you score this puppy? Out of five hot boy crushes. Okay. Out of five, out of five hot boy crushes, I gave it a 3.5. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It just kind of felt like a middle of the road episode to me. I really liked the Tony storyline, but it didn't feel as important as other yeah. ones or as like. I don't know. It just kind of, it was kind of meh, except yeah. for the Tony storyline. I loved the Tony storyline. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I, I was there with you. I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. So here's my reason for giving it a three. Like I said, we've all been, you know, 14, 15 and had hormones. And I've talked before about like going through my old journals and being like, ah, I loved everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I understood it from that perspective. Like I could sort of put myself back in that mindset, but I do think that we're only into season two and we're already falling into this stock joke of every week Blossom is in love with someone else. And I'm really, really afraid that that is, um, that that's taking away some of the impact of real issues and real questions that she has about relationships. Cause it just like, Oh, Blossom likes another boy. Like the, the, the situation she's getting into with all these different boys are totally important to talk about, but because it's like a different boy and it's every single week and we never see them again and we never see them again. It's yeah. like, it trivializes it a little bit. Yeah. So I gave it a three. Cause I thought it was an important thing to talk about, but then I also made the note, let's just give her like a few weeks to be on her own for a bit. Yeah. Let's maybe not give her a boy next week. Yeah. Cool. So that rounds up this episode, Mallory, 
guess what I did? What did you do? Right before we jumped on the air. What did you do? I looked up next week's episode. Yeah, you did. Are you proud of me? I'm so proud. You're growing up. I'm going to let you know that literally she watched me do this 30 seconds before she hit record. This conversation was all an act, you guys. It was all an act. We're acting. She saw me panic and go, oh no, I didn't do it. (laughs) So next week... We are watching season two, episode seven, Intervention. Mallory, as always, thank you for talking with me and watching Blossom. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure. (laughs) Thank you out there for listening. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to In My Opinionation. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IamOpinionation, our website at IamOpinionation.com, or email us at OpinionationPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your opinionation about this or any future episodes. New episodes come out every Tuesday. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, the sun is going to surely shine.